Hello and welcome back to Nerd Adjacent, the podcast of Giant Nerd Australia. I'm your host, Steve Brady, and my special guest here today is, well, frankly, no one. I'm here by myself. Um, things have been a bit busy, which is why I haven't been able to get another episode of the podcast out the door. Um, when I started this podcast um, late last year, I uh, I wasn't working, um, didn't have a girlfriend, and um, had a lot of time to myself. So yeah, let's uh, let's let's... Let's um, have a podcast, and uh, it's been good fun, and I intend to keep on continuing with it, but since that time, in fact, almost immediately after I started the podcast, I, I got a job, uh, a handful of jobs actually, and um, I found myself in a brand new relationship, which is going lovely, thank you very much for asking. Um, so, the time has been limited, and plus with Christmas, New Year, um, traveling for work, in fact, I'm recording this episode from the uh, motel room um, in a, uh, a regional regional city, regional town of uh, of South Australia, um, where I'm currently away doing some work, and there's nothing to watch on TV. I've had dinner, and it's basically either make a podcast or masturbate. Um, and so um, after I masturbated, I decided that no, <laughs> it's either make a podcast or masturbate. So, what are we up to? What is um, Giant Nerd Australia up to? Now, as regular listeners to this podcast will be aware, and those of you who are just starting to listen may not be aware, um, Giant Nerd Australia is primarily an organisation that is producing sci-fi related theatre. In particular, we're working on shows for the Adelaide Fringe, which is coming up in February and March 2019 here in Adelaide. Uh, well, not here in Adelaide, because I'm not here in Adelaide, but that's where I'm from. But I think you get my point. Um, so, the good news is that these shows are now on sale. We're producing three shows for the Adelaide Fringe. There is Effing Robots, How I Taught AI to Stop Worrying, and Love Humans, um, presented by Giant Nerd Australia. That's being written and performed by Nicole Cabe, who is coming out all the way from uh, Seattle, Washington, USA, and to enjoy her first Adelaide French. The second show that we are presenting is Bob, Battery Operated Boyfriend, which is a show that has been written by myself and um, will be featuring myself as a performer and also Nicole Cabe, who previously mentioned is American and coming out to be a part of the show. So um, both of those two shows deal with human interactions with artificial intelligence um having a different look so one is sort of based uh, nicole's is based on real life chat experience that she had with a chatbot and the one i'm uh i've written um bob battery operated boyfriend is looking into the future as to how humans may interact possibly with um an, an artificial intelligence and um what sort of relationships can they have um is there what sort of what sort of emotional context can they can there be um, bit of a comedy, but it's a bit of a dark comedy. So um, I like the th- I like the sound of dark comedy. There needs to be more of it. And finally, the third show that um, is being brought to you by Giant Nerd Australia is the Improv Troupe Impro City, returning with another production of Galactic Trek. This time, it's Galactic Trek: The Search for Zork. Now, Galactic Trek is. Uh, is a parody of your favourite science fiction TV show. Cough the trick. Cough. <clears throat> Hang on, I need a drink after that very vicious hacking, coughing. 
we had a lot of fun in its first uh, first year in, at Fringe, where we managed to pick up a four and a half star review, uh, thanks to All Over Adelaide, and we're coming back to have some more fun with the same wonderful characters. The stories are all improvised, uh, and we're really looking forward to that. Um, all three of these shows will be at the Rob Roy Hotel in Halifax Street in the city, which is um, great uh, food and beverage options, and I believe they have a really good whiskey bar, if that's your jam. And, you know, if it was, I would think the better of you. Effing Robots uh, is commencing from the uh, February the 16th, um, and runs through to February the 20th. Tickets are from 20 to $25. Galactic Trek, The Search for Zork, starts on the 5th of March, and runs through to the 10th of March, and again, tickets are 20 to $25. And finally, Battery Operator Boyfriend starts on the 21st of February, runs to the 24th of February. Again, tickets, 20 to $25. All at the Rob Roy Hotel, 106 Halifax Street in the city. Tickets are now for sale at Fringe Ticks, so uh, the Adelaide Fringe ticket website. So go search for Fringe Ticks. And order your tickets now. I think uh, with most of these, there's actually also um, group discounts as well. So if you're going to order, uh, I think it's, I think it's six or more tickets, you can get the group booking discount as well. So we're looking forward to seeing you there. If you go to our social media sites, which are at um, the Facebook page, at Giant Nerd Australia, there's also an Instagram page and a Twitter page. You'll actually see the um, the posters for the three different shows that are coming up. So get in there, book some tickets now, and it's going to be a great time. And if you're not in Adelaide, come on over. Um, it's the best time of year to be in Adelaide. It's one of the great festivals of the world. I think it's the second largest public open arts festivals in the world, uh, Edinburgh Fringe being the largest. So, um, yeah, we're right up there. So, yeah, definitely make your way down to Adelaide for these shows and, and many, many other shows that I would happily recommend. Perhaps I'll talk about some of them in this later episode of this podcast. It's a bit weird I've only got myself to talk to. Maybe I should have stuck the masturbation. <laughs> yes, well. Um, now, we do have listeners of this podcast from all over the world, so thank you so much. I do really appreciate it. If you'd like to get in contact with us, apart from the aforementioned social media sites, you can email us at giantnerdaustralia.com at gmail.com. So, yeah, if you're listening and you're not someone that I know personally or involved with any of the actors or other guests who have been on the show previously, um, I would love to hear from you and as to how you came across the podcast and, you know, any things that you'd like to see covered. Basically, I'm just going to cover things that I find interesting and uh, appeal to me because it's my podcast and um, that's what I do. Now, as I said... Um, I'm the only one here. So this will be a fairly brief podcast, so I won't ramble on for too long. But there are a couple of things that um, I'd like to, a couple of topics I'd like to sort of raise and discuss with you and uh, perhaps get your feedback on it. I love to, in the day, in this day and age of um, Netflix and so on and, and video streaming, video on demand streaming services or whatever the acronym is, I do like to have the physical media of movies and uh, television series that I'm particularly keen on because one can never guarantee that um, the, the the show that you're interested in is always going to be available on your favourite streaming service. So um, 
Uh, not so long ago, I saw the movie Highlander on DVD. I thought, oh, great, Highlander. That was a lot of fun in the 1980s. Oh, that's one of the best films ever. One of my most favourite films. I will buy that and I'll watch it. Now, I hadn't got around to watching it. Um, then Because I then went to watch uh, with my, my new partner, Bohemian Rhapsody the new movie about the uh, the life of Freddie Mercury. And while not nerd-related, it's definitely a movie worth going to go and see. So I would highly, highly recommend it. Um, and so after seeing that, and I thought, wow, what's another movie that features a lot of Queen music? And I thought, well, Highlander does. Highlander has a lot of great Queen music. And there was a lot of fantastic moments I remember from the movie. So let's sit down with my girlfriend... At, a couple of nights after that we'd watched Bohemian Rhapsody, and we'll watch Highlander, and I'll show her what a great movie it was. Oh dear, was I disappointed. Was she disappointed? Sadly, and I hate to say this, the memory of the movie in my mind did not live up to the reality. The world has moved on. Our tastes in movies... Our expectations from motion pictures have indeed moved on quite significantly since uh, 1986. Um, so if you haven't seen it, um, Highlander is a, as I said, 1986 movie. The director was Russell Mulcahy. Um, features uh, Christa Lam- Christopher Lambert as the uh, protagonist, Connor McLeod, um, the man who cannot die unless he has his head cut off with a sword. Uh, also features Sean Connery and also Clancy Brown as the Kurgan. So, uh, yeah, yeah, Sean Connery was, his character was the Spaniard, even though he was supposedly Egyptian. Um, But, yeah, it was very disappointing. I was getting a lot of rolled eyes from my partner and she was looking at me and says, you wanted us to waste our day evening watching this movie and I think well I haven't seen it for probably two decades it's dated a little bit so um so I'm going to talk about this movie now as as I said it's it 33 years since the movie came out I am not going to issue spoiler warning because if you haven't seen it by now then it's probably for the best um it's a film that features a lot of sword fighting because the premise of the movie that there are this these people who uh uh, special and they will live forever and own, but there can be only one so they all have to ultimately kill each other and at the end the last one will receive the prize which is a, they're a bit vague on what the prize was throughout the whole movie and I'll talk a bit, a bit more about that later um, but yeah some notes I made after watching the movie um, wh- why has it dated so badly well sword fighting scenes were very very tame by modern standards we're really used to seeing very highly choreographed uh, sword fighting in movies these days, you know, and, and also with the aid of you know, of CGI and so forth. We sword fighting in motion pictures, whether and whether we're talking about laser swords or lightsabers or regular sword fighting, it's 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 taken it to another level. So. Back in the 1980s, pre-CGI, it's kind of it looks very tame, indeed. Obviously, it's the obviously again the 1980s. We, we have the 80s values and fashions. I think, oh my goodness, were we really that bad? And yes, apparently we were. Um, 
the uh, it was extremely misogynistic um, depiction of uh, the, the female characters. They basically served the purpose of screaming maidens, you know, to be rescued, to be taken advantage of, to be the object of men's desire, lust, etc. Um, yeah, wouldn't really wash quite so well these days. Um, the special effects, well, at the time, in my memory, think thought, well, that's. That's not so bad. You go back and watch it now, and like, oh dear, no CGI, a bit of rotoscoping, um, but yeah. Uh, so yeah, not obviously not a big special effects laden movie. Like, if they were to remake it, that would be interesting. But we'd have to address some of these other issues. Um, now, Russell Mulcahy had a particular visual style, and one of the ex- visual styles is in, well, particularly for this movie, is exploding glass. There's exploding glass everywhere, including the key movie at the end where Conor McLeod becomes the one. <gasps> Spoilers! Oh, sorry, I did tell you. Yes, yes, he does indeed become the one. Him and the Kurgan have this epic fight towards the end. Um, but yes, there's exploding glass is a bit of a motif throughout the movie, which is fine, but it kind of got, oh, really? Um, is the world really made of so much safety glass? Um, and and so many unanswered questions. Um, why were all the ones fighting for the prize? Why were they all male? Why were there no females fighting for the prize? Why you know why were these immortals all female or all, all male? And then why were none of them female? Um, why who initiated and started this context contest for the prize? Now I do know that there were subsequent movies that sort of did deal with this but um in the context of the original movie not addressed at all um now how did the kurgan who was played by clancy brown how did he know that connor was uh that connor mcleod was immortal he just appeared in uh scotland some, some centuries ago it's not not in so he um connor mcleod as played by christopher lambert he didn't know he was immortal until somebody tried to kill him, but somehow the Kurgan knew that he was. So how? How did this happen? How did this come to be? Not explained at all. Um, other great flaws. Um, despite the fact that they cast Sean Connery in the movie, he dies really early in the film. Not quite the first scene, but you know, certainly by the end of the first third of the movie. Um, the main character, Christopher Lambert, is, and this is my notes here, has the charisma of a broomstick. Um, the soundtrack really, really is forgettable, except, of course, for the songs by Queen. Um, I'd forgotten how little the soundtrack actually is Queen songs. Um, and, as I said but earlier, we never see the prize. It's just something we... In, in the end, we hear it talked about in the end. And it's like, oh, by the way, you have the power to p- read everybody's minds and know, what hap- know what's happening throughout the world. It's like, oh, really? It's like, it's, and, and we, we never see it. Uh, and, uh, we, anyone who's studied motion pictures knows that if you're going to, it's much better to sh- show something than to tell something. And so they never show what the prize is. They never show how valuable, how important. They just say it in a voiceover at the end, almost as if they said, hey, you never actually told anybody, Russell McKay, what the prize was. Oh, that's right. We'll cover it with the voiceover at the end. So what are the good points? What are the good aspects about Highlander? Well, there is a genuinely moving sequence between uh, the young McLeod and his first love, Rachel, as he stays the same age as ever and 
watches her grow old, um, played to the beautiful uh, "Who Wants to Be Who Wants to Live Forever" by Queen. Um, yeah, almost moved to shed a tear there. At the beginning, near the beginning of the movie, there's a fantastic shot of the camera swooping in over a wrestling match in Madison Square Garden to end up on Conor McLeod sitting high up in the uh, in the stands. Yep, that's quite spectacular, considering that's all pre-CGI and everything. And if you want something that captures the streets and fashions of a 1980s New York, well, this this movie is for you. It's it's great. And, of course, Sean Connery. Yes, he's not in it enough, and they kill him off early, but he doesn't sort of disappear from the movie totally. And through flashbacks and so forth. And he, um, But he's great. He, look, he's Sean Connery. Oh, perhaps one of my favourite scenes was one of the bit of a flashbacks when um, Connor McLeod in sort of... Uh, um, I think it was the, I can't remember the year that it was mentioned 1792 perhaps I'm not really sure but yeah dueling uh, someone and whilst quite drunk and being repeatedly shot uh, with a musket well not well, a, a pistol what's a handheld pistol musket being repeatedly shot getting up and falling down again that's uh, that's that's quite good and there are quite a few good and memorable lines I think and I think this is the thing. It's the good parts of the movie that stick in my head. And my brain has just forgotten the shit and the dross. Except it's been reminded about it now. So when McLeod is arrested by New York cops on suspicion of murder for a person who he did actually chop his head off in a car park underneath or adjacent to Madison Square Garden, um, the cop asks uh, McLeod, who goes by the name of Nash, you talk funny, Nash. Where are you from? To which Nash replies, lots of different places. And given that um, Christopher Lambert has a has a quite an exotic accent, that kind of works. And perhaps the best thing about the movie is uh, Clancy Brown as the Kurgan. He absolutely steals the movie. As a character, he deserves to win the prize. Not because he's a good person, but he's... Um, just such a compelling... It's like a road accident. You cannot stop watching him. Um, he checks himself into a cheap hotel. Hotel manager sends a hooker out to him, opens the door. She says, hi, I'm Candy, to which he replies, of course you are. And then there's also the scene later in the movie where um, he and McLeod meet in a church because Hello um, to Ground is... Uh, is um, neutral territory for them. They cannot fight each other. And then he goes up to this... Uh, oh, no, 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 let me get... Goes up to the priest and says, Forgive me, Father, for I am a worm, or words to that effect. And then also the time he hijacks a car, uh, kicks the husband out, the, um, the little old lady is stuck with him in the car for a riotous joyride throughout New York, um, joy in inverted commas and he just refers to her as mom so <laughs> Clancy Brown if you never did anything else in your life and I don't know you for anything else but damn you did a good job with um, the Highlander so have you seen Highlander recently have, um, what do you think of it is it uh, something that you bears rewatching? Um, I think it's unfortunately reduced to being a bit of a curiosity these days, an example of um, nineteen mid nineteen eighties filmmaking. Um, yeah, and Russell, Russell McKay made a few interesting movies. I think he made one in Australia called Razorback. And I think before that, from memory, 
if it serves correctly, and it quite well may not. Um, I think he used to do a lot of television commercials. So yes. Um, so anyway, yeah. If you've seen Razor, if you've seen um, well Highlander or Razorback for that matter recently, uh, yeah, let me know what you think. Now, if you're of a certain younger vintage, and you may have been born after Highlander was released, go back watch it. And, yeah, I'd be interested to hear your perspective. There are definitely movies that do not stand the test of time. There are plenty of movies from the 80s that do stand the test of time, um, despite the fact there's no CGI and so forth, because for reasons I've outlined with this, the shortcomings I've outlined for this particular movie. Very good. Um, One last thing I briefly want to mention is that it looks like that they're going to be remaking um, one of my favourite stories of all time, not so much movies, but um, it was already previously made as a movie. Uh, they're remaking the, the classic science fiction novel Dune by Frank Herbert. Now, Dune, the movie, was uh, released again, coincidentally, in 1984. Hmm. I probably watched about two or three... Well, so another mid-80s movie. Um, I haven't watched it for quite some time. Probably should watch it again. But the thing about Dune is Dune is based on the book by Frank Herbert, as I just mentioned, and um, as an adaptation of a book, yeah, kind of hmm, leaves a bit to be decided. It's quite visually spectacular, certainly unlike any other science fiction movie you're unlikely to have seen. Definitely worth seeing if you're into sci-fi. Um, if you've seen, if you've read the book and you love the book, the, the movie makes sense. If you have not, if you're not familiar with the story, the movie does not make a lot of sense at all because there's just so much that gets left out and there's a lot of stuff that just does not get explained. Uh, apparently, the new version of Dune um, will only cover the first half of the first book. So, so the new version of Dune is going to be um, directed by uh, veteran director Denise Villeneuve. And I'm quite shamelessly uh, reading from an article in uh, Popular Mechanics because that's where I get all my Dune-related information from. Some cast members are being announced um, with uh, Stellan Skarsgård, um, who will be playing the evil Baron Harkonnen. And, but perhaps what I'm really excited and what I think is a brilliant piece of casting is Dave uh, Batista, who uh, um, former wrestling star who's actually starting to uh, get his acting chops together. He's going to play um, the Beast Raban, which will be really quite fascinating. So um, um, I'm excitedly waiting to uh, hear more details about this movie. Um, it's a book that, for me, when I initially read it in my uh, in my sort of mid-teens, um, kind of opened my eyes up to the fact that religion and politics could potentially be the same thing and weren't necessarily separate things, and that religion could be a tool of politics. Looking forward to that one. So... Anyway, I'm uh, rather than rambling on too long, I'm just going to say that look out soon. I'm uh, hoping to have another episode in the not too distant future with Bluck. I will be interviewing um, my fellow giant nerd production near um, Nicole Cabe um, via the uh, fantastic internet. And when I uh, chat with her next weekend, and um, we'll record an interview with her and we'll talk to her some more about her upcoming production of um, effing robots here in Adelaide Fringe and uh, other places where she's hoping to perform it. And before you know it, we'll be into Adelaide Fringe itself. Um, 
But that won't be the end of this podcast. I'll keep pushing on with it. I've got a lot of people who I'm keen to get on board and uh, have a chat with them about their particular um, sci-fi, favourite sci-fi films, passions, franchises, whatever you like. So, brief as it has been, um, this has been Steve Brady and keep on nerding.